This episode contains sound effects from BattleBards. If you like what you hear, check them out at BattleBards.com today for all sorts of sound effects that can help punch up your games. BattleBards.com First Home In the gray light of early morning, Ingold the dwarf knelt by the rushing river, feeling the cool spray play against his seamed face. It had been a long journey, and here was the first place he had felt a moment of peace. The thick wool of his pants pressed into soft mud, but he didn't mind. Several weeks up in the peaks, soaring above, made this a welcome change. His thick hands dipped into the dark water and came up with a trickle of refreshingly cold, diamond-like splashes as he raised it to his appraising blue gaze. Clear. Clean. And, a quick sip, yes, tasty. As the sweetness of the cold water played in his mouth and droplets cascaded down the silvering russet of his carefully forked beard, Ingold was reminded of the bite of the winds he and his people had braved. The road from Rindis had been long, but necessary. Ever since the stars had fallen from the sky, the world had gone mad. Many kingdoms had fallen, and those that hadn't had begun to tear at each other in an effort to snatch up what was left until, like the tale of the starving wolf, they had torn apart themselves in their fury. Rindis had been especially bad and it was at Ingold's insistence that the small company of dwarves had set out to find something far removed from the madness. A muffled clank sounded nearby, and Ingold looked to where his fellow travelers had sat to rest on a thick, grassy patch near the river. They were worn, bless them, and weary of homelessness. Dwarves without a delve are the unhappiest of all, goes the saying, and Ingold knew he had gotten more from his fifty kinsmen than he had ever asked for. Not one had grumbled or threatened to go back, although what was there to go back to? And Ingold loved them for it. With a sigh, he rose to his feet, wiping his hands on his woolen trousers as he approached the foot-weary band. My brothers, he said, I will move just a bit further downriver to look at something, and then I will return. Rest yourselves until then. One of the younger dwarves, Balden leapt to his feet stiffly. My chief, I will go with you. No. Stay here, good Balden, said Ingold, keeping his face impassive, although he was moved that this one would give up his rest to accompany him yet further. By the time the sun climbs over these mountains, he pointed to the cold peaks above, I will be back. There was quiet talk amongst the dwarves as they began to parcel out food and dip their skins into the river, and Ingold headed south. His decision to leave Rindus and an established delve had not been easy, and he had deliberated for months before finally deciding to act. But it was the dream that finally pushed him into leaving, and its quiet insistence worked on him even now as he moved along a trackless riverbank. In the dream, he had sat at the entrance to the Rindus delve, watching chaos form all around him. From the stone rose up many lean, hungry wolves circling each other, biting and tearing, with Ingold sitting fearfully in their midst. The circle tightened, the wolves now taking bites with their sharp teeth not only at themselves but at the dwarf as well. 
but then from the south came a light. A silvery beacon that rang with the light tones of gentle bells. Theirs was the sound of hope, and at the touch of the shining light, the wolves yelped and sprang back. As Ingold leapt to his feet and ran toward the light, he saw it was shining from a huge tree of iron, a tree that was split and oddly symmetrical. With each step in this dream world, Ingold felt sadness for the distance he put between himself and the familiar delve, but also a growing contentment for the approaching tree. Each time he dreamed this, he would just be within reach of the tree, holding out his hand to touch the metal branches, when a cool voice wreathed in chimes would say, Here and Ingold would tumble from sleep and back to awareness. He had not told anyone of this dream, but it weighed on him. The dwarves had had a long journey, staying mostly in mountains when they could. Who would want to travel there? Or avoiding roads and inevitable trouble when they couldn't. Once or twice in their journey they had come across the remains of travelers who had run afoul of the many roving bands of highwaymen who preyed on the unwary. These were uncertain times, but Ingold and his band did their part to make things as certain as they could. The river widened here as it took a gentle turn, and the water slowed some. The sound dropped, although the dark water still ran swiftly. There were hills here on the east side of the bank, and from their look, they seemed to have good bones. Beyond them, perhaps a half-mile distant, was the rising face of the mountains they had been in just last night. Ingold had a good feeling about them as well. He stroked his hands down his beard and felt a sense of weariness overtake him. Water. Yes, he wanted some more water. Turning to the river, he knelt at the bank once more and plunged his hands in this time, letting the cold rust draw out some of his tiredness. He raised his hands to his mouth and froze. There, to his left, not fifty feet distant, was a huge beast. Somehow, it had crept up this close without a sound, a fact that shocked the weary dwarf. Ingold found himself staring at a giant stag. And not just any stag, this one had massive antlers of iron. The animal drank deeply from a worn spot at the river's edge, even when it blinked a huge brown eye directly at Ingold. The water trickled out of his hands, forgotten. After an eternity, and having drunk its fill, the stag lifted its head and looked at the dwarf full on. Ingold drew in a breath. The two antlers looked like a tree, symmetrical in form. He found himself taking one unconscious step forward, then another, and at this the stag turned lithely and bounded eastward a few graceful paces, looking back over its shoulder. Ingold broke into a trot and it happened again. After a few minutes of this back and forth, Ingold stood atop a single hill, taller than the others. And here the stag stood its ground. With wondering eyes, the dwarf reached out to touch the velvety nose and the cold iron of the antlers. But a flash of silvery light flared up, and when sight returned, the stag was no longer there. A single, chiming voice seemed to linger in the air, saying, Here. 
The dwarves back up river were suddenly startled from their thick grass when Ingold came running toward them eyes wide and shouting. They reached for their weapons, certain their luck had run out at last and that they had been found by bandits. But Baldin was the first to see that Ingold was laughing with uncharacteristic joy. "'Not a tree! Antlers! We're here! We're here!' he shouted as he came. The words meant nothing to the dwarves on the bank, but the excitement was infectious. Within minutes, they had strapped on their gear and followed the path through the dewy grass back to the hilltop, where Ingold explained that this was to be their first home, and there, he pointed directly to the east to where the sun was only just peeking above the gray walls of the rising mountains, was where the delve would be. The next days were a whirlwind of activity. A small surveying party led by Ingold tapped its way along the mountains in search of signs of ore. While this happened, the rest of the dwarves stayed on the hilltop, digging away at the black dirt and the underlying clay. Nothing digs like a dwarf, and with forty of them at work, it didn't take long for the hilltop to become a bowl, with the dirt thrown out to form a protective wall of earth. By the time Ingold returned three days later, he found a large area carved out and the beginnings of the first home taking shape. The prospecting party had much to share as well. From their bags they shook out pieces of stone from various places, and even a couple samples bearing the orange smear of iron and others with some darker, harder material in it. The sight would be fine for a delve. That night, for the first time in months, the dwarves felt safe and happy enough in their earthen walls to light a large fire and, after a welcome feast using much of their remaining provisions, to lift their voices in a chant that rang through the nearby woods, rolling across the hills. Three months on, the site was vastly improved. Work on the delve had begun, and the dwarves had been shuttling out blocks of stone from the great entrance. Their sturdy wagons, built from the wood of trees in the nearby forest, rumbled along a track to deposit their loads at the first home. The dwarves had named the hill Thandul, in their rindus fashion, the safe hill. And it was safe. The earthen rampart had been raised even higher, the inner part dug deep and clean. Already the first great stones from the delve had been placed as foundations, and these later wagon loads were bringing the stones for the walls. Ingold found his time much divided. He was responsible for the progress of the delve, but also needed to take a hand in the planning and building of the first home, since in it lay the safety of his small clan. Balden was proving to be an able administrator and helped lighten the load. Even now, he was at the delve. Ingold took a moment to savor the first home. Although the earth still showed all around, the outlines of the planned chambers and towers were marked out around the interior of the bowl. Here was the feasting hall. Here again, sleeping chambers. The frame for a massive wooden gate was underway and a large well in the center of the courtyard had begun to descend. This might be rough in comparison to the first homes of Rindus, where the dwarves had lived for ages, but everything must start somewhere, and Ingold breathed a sigh of satisfaction. One year later, the dwarves were gathered for a celebratory feast. Flames in Thandul's great hall flickered picking out highlights of burnished copper along the tops of the room's walls like so many golden stars. The smells of roast meats and of other rich foods filled the air, and cheers and laughter echoed comfortably. Word had gotten out, and other dwarves from surrounding areas had come to swell the number from fifty to well over a hundred. The first home was done, 
and full of life. The delve was already producing ore that the furnaces were smelting. Ingold sat in a heavy chair that had been studded with pieces of ore from the first seam. The chief held up his hands and the chatter stopped. My brothers, we have found a home and this feast tonight celebrates this. But we have something else to celebrate tonight. Now that we have a home, we can also have a name. Because, with a real home, a delve and a completed first home, we have the right to call ourselves a clan. The cheers erupted once more, followed by excited talking. Ingold patiently held up his hands until the voices stopped again. I know many of you have dreamed of this day, and I do not blame you. Our toil has been long and hard, and we have given up much. But before I tell you of my decision on the clan name, I must first tell you of a dream I had long ago. A dream that pulled us up from our home in Rindus to come here. I will tell you, members of this clan, of the Iron Stag. Well, that is my story, my take on the first home, the founding of the first home of the Iron Stag clan. I set myself a challenge of writing for one and a half hours, and it's always amazing. It feels like an hour and a half is a long time, but when I get to actually reading what I've written, it doesn't take all that long. And I know I could do better given more time and definitely cleaning it up and fleshing it out, but Part of the fun of this challenge is it's supposed to be messy. I want this to be a messy process. I want this to be something that is intended to stimulate creativity. And that's what I did. So I set my watch for an hour and a half. I sat down to write and didn't let myself get distracted. And this was the result with no editing. Part of the fun in this kind of challenge, in this kind of process that I do, is not trying to think about it beforehand. I do very little planning because it's just fun to see what comes out when you let your fingers start moving. What's fun about this process is there are often surprises that come along with it. And so this time, the surprises that came for not having pre-thought through the story was I just had to come up with a name for the founder of Iron Stag Delve. So Ingold just kind of popped out. Additionally, at the end, when I was describing the feasting hall, the chair that he was sitting in that has studded pieces of the ore that they took from their first seam in the delve, that was kind of a neat thing to come out. I hadn't really thought about that or what kind of honor would have been shown to Ingold as he is presiding over this celebratory feast. But just thinking about you go into a restaurant and you see a picture frame that has the first dollar that the restaurant got from a customer. I thought that would be kind of a neat touch. So the very first ore that they find is broken up into pieces and then put onto the chief's chair. I thought that was kind of fun. If I do more with developing this part of the world, I think I'd like to do some more with drawing up the plans for Thandul and, and actually coming up with what it looks like inside. And I really wouldn't mind seeing what your picture of this first home is. If you were moved by any of the description or any of your imagination has prompted you uh, to try and draw what you think Thandul looks like, I sure would love to see it. 
You can definitely reach us on our social media presences. We're on Twitter and Instagram at stackodice. And we have an email address, stack.o.dice at gmail.com. I know we have listeners in many states around the country and in actually several other countries around the world. And this coronavirus thing has really put a crimp on our plans. We're in the state of Maryland, and of course here, being as close as we are to the capital, things are a little bit slower in opening up because of the population density and the importance of the area. And so where we live has been pretty hesitant to reopen things, and so we have not been able to meet. I'm pushing to try and get us together once more so we can record. We need two more episodes to close out the season, and we're looking forward to that. Once we can get that going, we'll be happy to continue our story, and I'll be able to finally take a break for about a month on producing more stuff. That'll be welcome time for recovery. Until then, I have some more ideas of things that we can do to help with our Creation Corner series. So look forward to that, and we are definitely, definitely enjoying sharing our story and our world with you. We hope you're enjoying it too. If you are enjoying it, please tell your friends about us. Let them know that we have a story that's worth listening to. And if you haven't yet done so, please take a moment to rate and review us on iTunes. That will help others that you don't even know to be able to learn about us. We love getting new listeners. We love hearing from our listeners. Stackers, we enjoy knowing that you are enjoying our story. So in the meantime, stay well, stay happy, and we hope our ongoing story is helping you to pass the time. As always, we love to hear from you, and we hope to see you again here next time at Stack of Dice.